Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanji. God hates sin so much not because of the indulgence. It is because he knows what it does to human beings. He knows what he did to Adam and Eve. You see, he asked them, who told you you are naked? Sin is the one that gave them that awareness. And God knows that as long as men allow sin in their lives, that awareness will come again. I'm naked. I'm not worthy. Can I really receive his healing? So that, that is the, when he says sin shall not have dominion over you, he's not just talking about you indulging. He's talking about that stronghold, that guilt. That, that's why he says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. When I was talking about eternal life, whoever has the Son has life. He who has not the Son is condemned already. These things I write to you that you might know that ye have eternal life. John is writing to believers. He's writing to Christians already. And he just talks about the Son is, life is in the Son. And the Son gives this life. He talks about this was the light of men and the life of men, the light, the light which was the life of men. So which life is he talking about? Real life, eternal life, is a life where you are alive to God. You are sensitive to the dictates of God. You are sensitive to the realm of God. That is eternal life. That is real life. And you see, being dead in that way is worse than being dead physically. Being dead physically is just for the physical body. Just for the physical body. But the other one will affect everything. So when he says the wages of sin is death, in other words, wherever there is sin in your life, there is sensitivity that dies in that area of your life. There is sensitivity to God that dies. So you see, when sin comes, there is sensitivity that dies, the sensitivity to his righteousness, that he gave me this righteousness. It's a gift. It's not anything I attained. You start condemning yourself. You start blaming yourself. You write yourself off. You know what condemnation means? You know me, I, I, studied, I studied animal husbandry, animal science, praise the Lord, production and husbandry, treating animals. So you see, so when we, when we do meat inspection, because we are meant to do meat inspection, when we, and that's why you see like if you go to a butchery, sometimes you'll find like it has like a red stamp, like the meat has like a red stamp or something like that means it went through meat inspection. So when we go and do meat inspection, if it is not worth eating, like if it has liver flukes, there are diseases that are called zoonotics. Yeah? And they can be transferred animals to people. Yeah? So if an animal has that, like TB, there is tuberculosis in the liver and all that, it should be condemned, the whole animal. But now enough farmer has brought his animal. It is worth 40,000. And he's just looking at it just because of the liver. It's going to be condemned. 40,000. So he tells the inspector, let me give you 5,000. We just cut away the liver. The inspector is like, okay, give me 5,000. That, that's a sector that is so corrupt also. It is a very corrupt sector. Not just here, even in Uganda, you know, it's very corrupt. Because you see a guy is inspecting in a particular, there are big abattoirs, like another abattoir where we used to do the, the, our internship in Uganda. In the morning, just in the morning, they slaughter over 500 cows. 
So imagine that guy is slaughtering over 500 cows. And to pass your cow, he requires half a kilogram of meat. You see how he has many butcheries, yet he, <laughs> he owns no cow. Imagine. And you see now, you, your bull is over 700 kilograms. So you're like, half kilogram, what's that? So people give him half kilogram. Then if he does something, it's like, bribe me with 5,000. They bribe him with 5,000. So that's why when, when, so when we were in class, everybody was longing to become a meat inspector. And, <laughs> and me, when I would tell them I want to be a preacher, they will not understand. <laughs> but you see, when an animal, when we say it is condemned, that word condemned does not mean feeling guilty. You see, now the word condemned has, been, has become a religious word. It's become a, a church word. So whenever someone talks about condemnation, you think it means feeling guilty. Condemnation means not fit for use. That is what condemnation means. Even you guys who are into construction, you condemn buildings, isn't it? When a building is condemned, it means it's not fit to be inhabited. It's not fit for people to stay there. So there is a building I saw. <laughs> you, uh, you, know, you know, you people of Zimmerman, but thank God. <laughs> th thank God that you, you who are here in Ratsi, you are the light in Zimmerman. <laughs> I love our people of Zimmerman. <laughs> But you know, we were in Zimmerman and saw a building. It's like five floors. This building has a crack. And it has that X. So it's condemned. But there's a supermarket going on. This. So I asked, I had gone, many of you know Minister Francis. I had gone to his place. So Minister Francis, I'm like, so this building is condemned. And those people are still there. So it's like, ah, they just keep bribing. Whenever those people come, they keep bribing. And the, that building keeps going. I'm like, hey, one day this building, <laughs> the condemnation will thoroughly... <laughs> happen on them. But you see, condemnation means not fit for use, not fit for purpose. That's what condemnation means. So whenever, whenever you sin, you give the devil a stronghold to disqualify you, to tell you you're not fit for purpose. You're not fit to be used. That is what, you, that is what condemnation is. So you feel, I'm not fit to receive healing. And that is why God is so against sin because it brings condemnation. You disqualify yourself from what God has prepared you for. Praise the Lord. That, that is why God is passionate about it. It is not, people think, oh, God does not want us to enjoy. Why did Jesus make all this alcohol? It was his first miracle. And God does not want us to drink and do what? No, God has never, you know, by the way, if we talk about, the, about alcohol, there is nowhere in the Bible it says you should not drink. You know, those are debates that have been brought in church. And you see, everyone will want to, to debate on their side of persuasion. But you see, there is nowhere in the Bible that says drinking alcohol is a sin. I know some of you are going to say I'm preaching wrong doctrine. But you see, <laughs> you go post it. Post it out there with scripture. Go post and proof. And you know, I've even heard people say, oh, you see, Jesus, the wine he made, the juice, their wine was, was, it was grape juice, it was not real wine. Why does Paul tell them, why does Paul rebuke them for getting drunk during Holy, Holy Communion? They are getting drunk on grape juice? Yeah? No, Paul tells them. They come to church and they get drunk. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> You just have to know who you are in God for some of these things. Talk about, okay, talk about smoking cigarettes. Show me a scripture that says it's wrong to smoke cigarettes. 
Yeah? You know, people even thought in the upper room people were smoking. And fire caught their hair. <laughs> you see, many of these things, the thing is, why do you get into them? There's somebody that I was talking to, and I was telling them, like, you know, because they were smoking weed. So I was telling them, I'm not going to give you facts, because everyone was giving them facts. Oh, you see, weed takes away your life seven years. Oh, you see, weed does this. You see, weed does this. So and so is mad. So and so is mad. You see, if we, if we are to just go by facts, even him, he can give you facts. Morgan Freeman smokes weed. How old is Morgan Freeman? Whoopi Goldberg smokes weed. How old is Whoopi Goldberg? You get what I'm saying? How many people have testified of, I'm healthy because of weed? And they are there. So if we just go that way of facts, ah, there will be facts to prove everything. I can get facts that this water heals corona. And I'll talk about it very well. And there will be another one who will have facts that no, taking water is what spreads corona. <laughs> so I had to tell them, you, what are you looking for in that weed? What, you see now, that's, that's, that, 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 that's what God looks at. Like, what do you feel when you take weed? I forget about all my scenarios. I forget about the, the funny, what, all pressure of life and what. And as in Jesus said, cast all your cares upon him. You see now, you, see, you, you get into this and you're like, this is not going to be a lasting solution. So why Jesus feels sorry for you is that he gave a real solution that is free, that has no side effects, a proper solution, but you choose what will destroy you. You choose what is of the devil. It's the same thing. Why do you like alcohol? Why are you drinking alcohol? Everyone will just give their own reason and their what. You see, it's because of this, it's because of this. And you see, in church, because we are religious, we think drinking alcohol is worse than overeating. Actually, now, overeating is actually mentioned as a sin. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> he mentions glutton. He, he really, he mentions it. It is a sin. But you see, we are okay with somebody. If somebody comes here and they are staggering, smelling of liquor, we feel like, you need to get born again. You go to them, are you born again? You get it? <laughs> to you, automatically, they are not born again. But if somebody came here with their creeps in their bag, and every time you meet them, they are munching, ah, praise the Lord, brother. God has provided creeps. <laughs> we are just okay with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you see, this is religion. And, and you see, I told you one time that whenever you study the word of God, whenever you read the Bible, and you realize that there is something that shocks your, what you believe about God. Don't try to explain it away or don't rush away from it. Stay there and say, God, educate me. <laughs> you get it? Because we grow up and we are told things. Then when you read the Bible, you always fight to, to defend what you've been told. Even the Bible can't come in the way of what you believe about it. You get it? You think you're using the Bible, but when the Bible co confronts you, <laughs> you're like, no. 
they, you find Andrew Mark speaks of a story. He's painting and he's preaching to this lady and telling her about tongues. It's like, I'm Baptists in our church. We are taught against speaking tongues. Tongues are not for today. And Andrew Mark is like, but look, the Bible says clearly that the ones that believe shall speak in tongues. It says, I know there are many things there in the Bible that we don't believe. <laughs> I would rather believe my Baptist church than believing what the Bible says. So you're like, what's the basis of your church? And you see, it's the same thing. Because you see, even me, I grew up knowing. You see, you just smoke once. <laughs> You've lost your salvation. That's what I believe. You see, you drink alcohol. Woo! And you know alcohol is flammable. <laughs> you're just ready for hell. You're just, you're just, you're just headed to hell. You see, then I started examining the word. Then I realized, okay, maybe there, is a, a, there, are, there are reasons why we should not really, we should not drink or we should not smoke. But maybe we are not representing God by some of the things. Our traditions, and that's why he says that you've met the word of God. And I, I told him my experience. I started speaking in tongues and I was drinking, I was smoking. And I tried to smoke and I could still speak in tongues. I'm like, this may not be that bad. <laughs> you get it? I'm like, it may not be that bad. But you see, it's because, of our, because I had been taught wrong. So when I started discovering the word of God for myself, I stopped smoking. I didn't want to smell like I'd already been in hell. But it was not because God is going to kill me. It is not because God was going to do this. And then you see, as, I, as a young person, a young believer, you feel so betrayed. You know, when I read about preachers, when I saw preachers, who smoked yet carried the power of God. I was so confused. And you'd be so confused. You know, you're so confused that A.A. Allen used to drink. You get it? It is so confusing that in moments A.A. Allen would go away and drink, then he comes back. There even times he was ministering to the healing line and he was high, and his team had to take him away. So now you see as I believe, you see as I am, and now you see when they are telling us about all these stories, those are the stories that are hidden. I would also like to hide such stories because I wanted to get the good from AL and I wanted to just know about the good. But you see, because I'm inquisitive and I'm curious, I had to get into all these things. And I'm like, something doesn't add up. AAL and drinks, but God is okay with it. Yeah? This uneducated man on our village drinks and is the worst person. This God is not adding up. <laughs> what does he have against this man in our village that he doesn't have against AAL? You get it? You go to other countries, pastor, they are treating you. They treat you with beers. You get it? Pastor, what drink would you want? We have cold beer, we have juice, we have tea. You get it? And they are believers. In Scotland, where? You know, they are giving you beer as a pastor. Then you come to Uganda, you come to Kenya, you sit in a church, they tell you, oh, when you drink beer, that's a one-way ticket to hell. One way. Not refundable. So you're like, okay, God, you allow the Scottish to do it. Or else you send us to hell right away. What's wrong with you, God? <laughs> I'm not encouraging anyone to drink. I'm not encouraging anyone to smoke. Let me, I would even slap you if I just found you drunk. I would slap sense into you. But... Many of these things, it is that in the end, at times, 
There are sins that will come with them. There is condemnation that will later come with them. And that condemnation, God knows what it does to you. He knows what it will, what it will. He knows, you, you see, my mom used to tell me, study, study. Yeah? Wait, so there's a time I told her, I want to drop out of school. I had hated that school as in form two. I want to drop out of school. I even, I wrote a letter. <laughs> Recently, my young sister discovered the letter and she even took a screenshot. We laughed on that group. So I'd written a letter properly addressing my parents. You know how you give them that, that you, you give them that shopping list. So we were about to go back to school. So you see, they need a shopping list from each of us. So that was the last item I started my letter. So you see, if I have one, two, three, up to ten. Now item ten was now my now it continued. So I'm telling them, I don't like this school. This and this and this. And if you're not ready to take me to any other school, I'm ready not to continue with school. I'm ready to drop out. And even if I become those people who push cuts, these cuts, the Mkoko um, 10, I'll become a billionaire one day and I'll build for you a house. You know, I always believed in myself from way back. When, when people think I'm arrogant right now, they should have seen me when I was 14 years of age. Yeah, I told them I'm going to, I'll become a billionaire pushing that Mkoko 10, I'll pay school fees for my young siblings and I'll build you a house. That's what I told them. <laughs> but you see, one time my mom told me, I want you to be serious with school because I don't want you to suffer in the future. You get it? So at a young age, you don't know why she's telling you to be serious in school. You think it's for her. You get it? Now you're like, okay, so it's for my future. <laughs> I'm like, Kumba, it's for me. You, you know, like, I've never thought about it that it's for me. I thought it's for you. When your friends come and ask you, how did your son perform? I thought it's for that. I thought that's why we, <laughs> I thought that's why we go to school. So I realized actually it's for me. And you see, that's how many baby believers also think. They think God is telling them not to do this for him so that he can show his angels. You see, he's obeying me. My son is obeying me. You know, that's what, that's what they believe. But you see, when you grow up, you realize actually it's for your future. It's for your good. It is because God has seen ahead. He's seen what condemnation will do to you. And how many people have disqualified themselves, even from the church? How many people do we know that were called? And they started veering off getting in certain things and bringing them back has been hard. Yet God is not against them. God still loves them. God is trying to draw them through us. But what they've gone through has allowed condemnation to come in that they've disqualified themselves for the very privileges that God purposed for them. Praise the Lord. So all that point was to explain <laughs> sin like uh, guilt, guilt and guilt in somebody's life could hinder them from receiving healing. Then, it can also be the anointed person is also a factor. And I told us that this during the, during the 1970s and 80s, the pendulum still swung very far. This was during the time we see John Wimber. Many of us know about the vineyard movement. And it is, it is from the vineyard that we got terms like power evangelism. We got... Many words like soaking in the presence, we want to soak. If you see ministries that are, were really influenced by vineyard a lot like today that were influenced, is, you will see Bethel, Global Awakening, you'll see. So you see a lot of the terminology they have there, you'll trace it back to, to vineyard, John Wimber. Yeah? Come, Holy Spirit, come. 
you know, you hear such things. You don't hear them a lot among the Pentecostals. More. Holy Spirit, more, more. You get what I'm saying? Laying hands on people for long. Let them soak in. Let them, you get it. So now when you come this other side of the Pentecostals, bang, carry them away. Bang, carry them away. You get it? Now you see Wimba would be, yeah, let them take time. Take time. Let them. So when he came during, during that time now, the Pentecostal move had been there, 1920s to the 40s, and it was God's man of the hour. So it was Oral Roberts. It was A.A. Allen. It was Jaco. It was Catherine Kuhlman. It was one, if you needed healing, you had to fly from wherever you are. And you go to California to meet Amy McPherson. You would have to fly to go to San Diego to meet so-and-so. Because it was so, people would sing, people would pray, and they wait for God's man of the hour to show up. So there were particular figures. It was believed that in the body of Christ, there are particular people that are anointed to bring healing. You get it? When someone said, oh, pray for me, I'm sick. Ah, that's not my calling. Can you wait for Brother A. Allen? You get what I'm saying? So now, to bring a correction to that, now, during John Wimber's time, it was, all of us can minister healing, which is true. You get it? All of us can minister healing. So it swung so far that it was almost believed that there are no particular anointed figures called particularly for this. You know what I'm saying? So, and even today you see it. You don't need a man of God. You just need the word. You, you don't need a man of God. And you see it came from a right place because people are just being so dependent on men of God. But do you need a man of God? Yes. Why even call him a man of God? <laughs> Why would God call him a man of God? You see, we see them in the Bible. Paul encounters Jesus. Jesus! <laughs> you encounter Jesus and he sends you to a man. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so when I encounter Jesus, I feel like we've arrived. Why send me to your servant? But he tells him to go to Ananias and he will lay hands on him and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He had to go to a man. So you see, when, when that move came, it, it, it eliminated a lot of this. It was good because now we started seeing the move of God. And it is, it is what we believe here. We believe everyone here can minister healing. Praise the Lord. But... There are still people up to today that God has specifically anointed and called in this area. Praise the Lord. And many times you're going to see, you're going to see that it is going to be easier, a lot easier for them to see results in that particular area. It is going to be a lot easier for them to see. And some of the most anointed people, to, like even when it comes to healing, some of them can't even teach it. He says, in, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, he asks, are all apostles, are all these, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing? Definitely the answer there is no. Isn't it? But some are. You get it? The answer is no, but some are. So there are some. So there are people that you've met. Last week I gave you the example of Branham. Branham was a prophet evangelist. Branham said prophesying at the age of three. Who sat down and told him to hear the voice of God? You get it? Some of you have been told to hear the voice of God. You've read every book on hearing the voice of God. You get it? And you're still struggling. You're still wondering. You get it? But normally, you see, a gift is not land. You can mature in flowing in it. But it is not land. It is not land. 
And so there are people that have been, you see, even Branham, I think he started seeing his first healings at 15. He wasn't in a church that believed in healing. He wasn't in a church that believed in prophecy. He was just in a small Baptist church that didn't believe in any manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So he didn't have examples. He didn't have preachers he was watching. There was no YouTube at that time. There was no Facebook at that time. So how did he get in this? He just kept, he, he saw it at work in his life. A whirlwind comes. He hears a voice. Do not do this. Do not do this. He prophesies about World War II coming. He prophesies about a bridge that was going to be built. He prophesies. He tells his parents. He sees them living in a, a certain place. I think by that time he's about eight years of age. A certain house and what? And the parents are like, no way. Like they're wondering, what is this kid saying? Is he going crazy? And is it two years later? They move to another house. Exact description he gave them two years ago. Like that. So it's not something that he learned. He didn't sit in church. And you see now, because of the church where he was, where these were not understood, they told him that's demonic. Because it was not understood. So it's the same thing. So there are, so the anointed person can also be a factor. And we look at the example of Jesus. This lady says, if I may but touch the helm of his garment. And Jesus said, I felt virtue come out of me. In other words, there's power. He told her, your faith has healed you. But it was not just her faith. Her faith released virtue from Jesus. And Jesus felt virtue leave him. You get what I'm saying? So there are meetings that you've gone to. There are meetings people have gone to. And they've released their faith. But maybe there is no virtue from the minister. And the results were few. You get it? And many of you, last year, but one when Charles Ndifon came to, he was at Papa Center. We went with many of you, yeah? Just imagine how Charles Ndifon showed up. No sermon, no worship. He just, he just showed up and he's like, there's a blind man, there's somebody blind here. There's a, like two hours healing. Bam, 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 bam. Just, you get what I'm saying? I believe in these services, they've been praying for sick people. They've been, you, you teach the word because it stirs our faith. It maximizes. This guy came with no preaching. He came with no, and he's like, people are waiting for me to preach. People are waiting for me. You get what I'm saying? And that is what I'm talking about. So there was, I believe, we saw many results that we saw in that place because he is also anointed for healing. He's anointed for it. So at times when we swing, and that is why I like it, like normally when different people come in the country, people that have blessed me, we also, we advertise in Ratsi, we tell people, because you see, they are a gift to the body of Christ. And they say they gave gifts unto men. People are the gifts to men. Praise the Lord. There's somebody out there who carries something that I don't have. And that is why I'm so excited to recommend people who attend my church to go and attend and attend these meetings. Because they are going to be built well. Because what I don't have, they can receive from another person. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And this, uh, so, so if we say, like that time, say, Charles Indifone is here. It's true, I, I, I know and I believe I'm called to minister healing. But you see, I've not ministered healing to the level Charles Indifone has ministered healing. It would be very foolish for me not to tell people to go and attend. And I know there are many of you that have been called to minister healing. And I'm sure you see as you're just watching, the impartation that goes on, the stirring that goes on when you're just there, like, what? You know, people we saw there are people who could not walk. People just lying there on the stage. 
and he keeps ministering. I remember there was a child, I think that child could not walk on. So he just kept, he just told the mother, leave the child here. And as he kept ministering, the child got up, the child started playing around, the, around there, not prayed for, not the child is just seated there. Who doesn't want to see such things? <laughs> that is good spiritual drama. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Those are the things we are meant to be seeing for entertainment. So you see, it swung so far when they went away from everyone is anointed. So even when God brings a gift, people receive to go because it's in that name. Me, I'll receive my own healing from the word of God. Isn't that foolish? Yet you go to church and listen to the word of God. Why don't you read the word for yourself? It's because you believe there is somebody God has anointed to teach the word also. And you see, when that word, whoever is teaching you the word, when they study it, because they are anointed to teach, there is an anointing for them to get revelation. There is an anointing for them to demystify what looks like mysteries. And when you sit under them, you're taking it already in glucose form. You know what I'm saying? If glucose is the end product of starch. So you see, when you're an athlete, we don't give you ugali when you reach the, the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you given glucose? It is because it's been digested for you already. You see, digestion begins in the mouth with amylase. That's the first stage. Then it goes to the stomach. It's also digested until it's absorbed as glucose. Now you're being given the end product. So you're going to get energy because energy comes in ATP. You know ATP? Adenine triphosphate. So it comes when, when, so that glucose you're just going to take and immediately it's in the bloodstream. But you see, if you take Ugali, you, you see, you're going to, first of all, you're going to be put in a coma. You see, most of you use, <laughs> you used to be put in a coma in afternoon classes for the Ugali to digest. Anthesia, and not just local, you're totally knocked out. So that, <laughs> By the time the teacher is asking the question, during that time, you, this biology was happening. <laughs> so you give them glucose, yeah? So that they get instant energy. Or you give them Red Bull, that they get wings to fly. <laughs> it is the same thing. God is saving you years of preparation. You see, it would be that's why we go to school. You know why we go to school? Because somebody did the hard work for us. All these things that even me, when I went to school, I found ATP there. I didn't try to discover ATP. You get it? I somebody discovered it. Maybe to, You see, uh, oh, Newton's laws. When did Newton discover his laws? Is it at 43 and what? <laughs> you, a teacher, wants you to mention them at 13. <laughs> You tell the teacher, Newton was 43, by the way. <laughs> he was not 13 years of age. But you see, this is, Newton did it. And it took him all those years. It's at 43 that he got the revelation. You can get it at 13. You can get it at 12. That is why God has put people in the body of Christ. So even those who are not necessarily with the gift, but by reason of experience have exercised their faith, they get to a place where they grasp things in the spirit. And it would be foolish for you not to go and receive from them. It will save you many years. It will save you a long time. And it is God quickening you. It is God quickening you. And we see it even right in the Bible. We see people like that. We see Paul. When he gets born again, he's sent to Ananias. 
He's not left with the Bible. Paul, discover what I want you to do. He sends him to Ananias. He has people that he could learn from to, to quicken his journey. He tells us to come in church. That's why God says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Equipping of the saints. Why can't the saints equip themselves? They can. But it may be slower. It may be long. So God put their people to equip the saints. And that is why the people he calls in fivefold, in the fivefold, you see the fivefold, this is what I believe. I believe the fivefold is meant to be full-time. That's what I believe. That it's meant to be full-time. You get it? Like these are people God has called, and they are equipping ministers. Just winning souls doesn't make you an evangelist. Are you an equipping evangelist? Just prophesying doesn't put you in the office of a prophet. Are you an equipping prophet? You get it? Like, you equip others for the same ministry. You equip, eventually you get into that. So, many, many people now, you see, for us, we are so excited to call people by, by titles, whether they are in the office or they are not, especially when God shows. But you remember, Jesus told Peter, he told him, uh, he, he told him, when he called him, he told him his name shall be, his name shall be Petrus, it shall be Peter, it shall be Cephas, the rock. But you see, when Peter said, thou art the Messiah, he told him from that day, he was now Peter. When he told him his name shall be, it's not the day he became Peter. It was the day he got a certain revelation. He encountered the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. Then he became Peter. So it's true. God is calling apostles. God is calling evangelists. God is, does it mean you step in the office immediately? No. You grow into the office. But you see, when you grow and get into the office, that, that's what I believe, that it, it, it separates you to this. It takes you to that. And that is why you also, you, you will have an upper hand over many people. You get it? Because... Let me say, as a prophet, as an evangelist, as a, an apostle, imagine if it is all I do full time. I have more time than you to do it. <laughs> you get it? You're busy reconciling books at work. Eh? Joanne is busy looking at stock. What chicken went the wrong Java? Which, which chicken? You get it? Me, I'm seated. The only chicken I'm thinking about is aren't coming to my mouth. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm not... You get it? I'm there thinking. Next week I'm ministering on healing. I'm studying healing. I'm praying healing. I'm, that's, that's, that's what I'm in. Definitely even by reason of time that this is now my profession, by reason of time that I give to it, there are things that I'm going to get just by reason of time before other people who are engaged in many other things. Praise the Lord. And so it will be to their advantage that I come and equip them and it, it's so important. That's what teachers do for us. It's like you get stepping stones. So many people have missed healing because of that. Like, because they've ignored the anointed person or the anointed person himself was not a good steward of what God gave them. Or they stumbled. People, you see, you see somebody who is anointed has told somebody. They're anointed and you're seeing results and like, now you can't receive healing for free. And that is why God says, those who instruct in the word, he says, hey, their canes shall be more. It's like the canes that God is preparing for those who teach. He's, he's soaking them in water first. 
God is soaking them in water. He's going to say, okay, what did you teach? <laughs> it's recorded. Should we play? Mediatim angel, play. <laughs> and say, okay, now you see, where did you get that from? <laughs> and then you know you're in heaven, you can't say, God, I got it from you. <laughs> but, but you see in that video, you told people, God gave me revelation. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> and God asks you, so how many lashes do you think you deserve? <laughs> and you see in heaven you're sincere. <laughs> you're not going to choose very few. <laughs> you're going to choose the ones you deserve. Yeah, but the Bible says that those, those that instruct in the word, yeah, their accountability is higher before God because they mislead many. And that's why he doesn't want a novice in a place of authority because you see, you say, a pastor is just like any other person. It is true, and it's good for a believer to have that in mind. It's good for a believer not to put men of God on a pedestal. It's, it's good for a believer not to think. Many believers' salvation ends with their men of God. If the man of God's salvation ends, theirs also ends. You get it? And for a believer, it, it would have been good for them to grow in Scripture to know that. No, like, that's still a man. He's prone to certain things. You get what I'm saying? But... It is not good for you as a minister, as a man of God, to use it as an excuse. I'm also just a human being like you guys. No, you've been set apart to instruct people. You've, you've been set apart. And you see, if you're sure you are called in the fivefold, you're called to equip ministers, the truth is that you've encountered God at some time. That calling, unless you just called yourself, you just got a certificate from River Road and came. And unless it is that, but I'm telling you, if you really know you, there was a time you were set apart and you knew how serious the calling was. You knew. For some, it's even scary when you had to say yes to that call. You get what I'm saying? It was a serious decision. And there's accountability that you owe God. So there's accountability even for the people that God has given you to lead. And that is why God gives you influence. That is leadership. It gives you influence. You see, people wonder, how can people be so foolish? Somebody told them to eat grass and they ate grass. That person is anointed. They have influence. You get what I'm saying? These people are under influence of somebody. And then these are people, they are like you. They are smart people like you. It's just that you've never sat for so long like where they sat. You get what I'm saying? But you could easily be misled also. Because these people have influence. Look at the young prophet in the Bible and the old prophet. The old prophet misleads the young prophet. You remember? And the young prophet is killed. God tells him, do this. But he meets the old prophet. Who knows what God had told this guy to do? As in he's above him. And he gives him another instruction. And this prophet follows it. The young prophet follows it contrary to what God had told him to do. And he finds himself dead. And that is what happens up to today. So you see, as a minister of God, as a man of God, that is why you should really walk in love and you should know the love of God. That as you look at people, they are not trophies. They are not accolades. People are not points. They are the precious church of Jesus Christ. They are the people he died for with his precious blood. He paid for them. So you see, as you speak to them, as you do things to them, you should remember that they are not yours. 
that they are people of God and you're going to be accountable for them. If any of you causes any of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be put around your head, your neck, and dipped into the ocean, dipped in the sea. That's how serious God is about it. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that is why this, like, that is why it's 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 not it's not it's not for joke. You see, preaching preaching here is not. We have preaching classes. You get it. People are not spacemen. And you see, many ministers are doing that. Ah, so and so when he preaches, people give a lot. Hey, can you come a minister in my church? You get it. These people have become spacemen. They've become commodities. They've become, I don't know. That is treating the church of God so cheap. And God is so jealous about his church. God loves his church. With all its weaknesses, with all the weaknesses in his church, God loves his church. And you see, he's not going to let such conmen succeed in his church. This is his bride. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So the minister is so important. The minister, the anointed minister is so important. And there are people God has anointed specifically for particular things. And we as Ratsi, we should be, with all the knowledge we have, we should never be adamant about such things. We should never be, we should never miss opportunity that we have. Because, and that is why you see, even me as a pastor, I had pastors who refused their people from going for conferences or what. Yeah, I've heard of that. But you see, me, I would want to. Why? Because see, these people are going to make my work easy. When Andromach comes here and you guys go and attend Andromach, this is going to teach you the very things I want you to learn. Isn't that exciting? And then, you know, when you hear it from another person, there is a way it is cemented. There is a way it's just so established. You're like, wow. At the witness of two or three, a matter shall be established. So it may be something your pastor is telling you, but you've never taken it so seriously. Then another person says, and that happens. You know, I had a testimony of Creflodola. He has healing meetings in his church and he's ministering to people. They, they get healed. He's ministering to the blind. He's ministering to the lame. For long, his entire ministry, he has healing ministry. Then one time his son is testifying to him about, about, no, his son, it wasn't healing. It was now being filled with the Holy Spirit. In his church, they also pray for people every time to speak in tongues. So it's like, dad, dad, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues. Wow, son, how did it happen? I was watching Benin on TV. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So should Creflodola be mad that it is not him who prayed for his son? You get what I'm saying? So that's why I don't understand as a pastor why I would be mad that my congregant went and got healed somewhere or they went and got filled with the Holy Spirit somewhere. Like, why would that make me mad? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is a, another gift. And the truth is that no, not everyone is going to receive from me, however much I want. People who don't like my style, People who feel like I'm not serious, my whole sermon, people are laughing. They want a more serious person. And you see, it's okay. That's their personality. And it's okay. There are people who will appeal to them. Especially in Kenya, we have many serious preachers. We are not short of them. Hallelujah. You, you get what I'm saying? So even you as an individual, you are not going to minister to everyone. Not even in your family. And even at times we pray for people in our family, but we pray that God sends them a preacher. God sends somebody to them. We speak to them about healing. We lay hands on them concerning healing. And at times they still don't re receive. 
But you see, when we see an opportunity, we tell them, come, let's go here. You're going to receive your healing. And they come when they receive healing because they are hearing from, at times there's even familiarity. They are listening to you. They don't receive from you because of familiarity. But you see, they go to this new person they don't know and they, ha- they are open to receive. So the minister is very important. Now, all this was to, to help us see that God is so passionate about healing, which I told us last time. That he's so passionate. Imagine he's put all these ways. Faith. Anointed vessels. Yeah? You receiving your forgiveness of your sin. And right from the Old Testament, we see men, like God has just made it so hard. Now, many people will say, healing is not so key. I saw... I've seen people post different things about miracles or what, like somebody say, just that you're having miracles in your ministry does not mean, does not mean that you're going to, to make it to heaven or just that you're, you're, pre, you're, you're, you're having miracles does not mean that you, your, your, your ministry is authentic. But you see the opposite is also true. Just that you don't have miracles in your ministry doesn't mean your ministry is right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's so common to see the ones who don't have miracles in their ministry talking about how just because you're having miracles, it doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. Just because you have miracles, it's not. It's, it's so common to find it among. You see, it is true what they are saying, but they don't have credibility to say it. You know what I'm saying? You see, before I was married, I would speak about marriage. Yeah? But very few people listened to me. <laughs> you get know what I'm saying? No credibility. People wait until you're married. Like, what does he have to show about it? You get it? So if I'm walking in the miraculous, then I come to address it and tell you how the miraculous alone is not proof that your ministry is authentic, you will listen to me because you've seen the miraculous in my life. So whoever doesn't have the miraculous in their life and they're talking like this, you don't know if it is evil passion, if it is negative energy they are releasing. You see, you don't know where they are. But it was very key in the ministry of Jesus. We see him heal many people. And we see he was in a house. The house was crowded. People had to open the roof to lower down this person. Maybe that would be happening in our churches today if we had miracles at the level that he wants us to have. We see this even in the early church. So as miracles are written off, Jesus, this man who was lowered in his room, Jesus tells the Pharisees, or the, no, were they Pharisees? But the Jews that were there reasoning. He tells them, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power or authority to forgive sin on earth. Take your bed and go. Jesus, as the Son of God, used miracles to prove, to prove that God forgave someone. He used miracles. He used miracles to convince people of forgiveness. Now, I've talked about this and I've told you forgiveness. That Greek word there, forgiveness, does not just mean pardoned. It means set at liberty. That is why Paul is told by, when he encounters Jesus, he's told 
to go open eyes of the Gentiles that they may receive forgiveness of sin. In other words, forgiveness had already been given. But now receiving it, forgiveness was given 2,000 years ago. God is not forgiving every day. Now I know many people may question, oh, he's just unfaithful to forgive all our sins if we ask him. Listen to eternal, listen to, <laughs> listen to eternal life, the series. You'll understand all that. I know you may say, oh, but he said, if we ask, he's faithful and just forgive our sins. So how would you say he's not forgiving every day? We'll get the context of it. But you see, when he says, when he, he yeah, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness. The power of Satan had hindered them from receiving forgiveness that was already there. This forgiveness is liberty to be set free. That is forgiveness. So liberty, sickness came with sin. So if you receive forgiveness, you've received liberty even from sickness. Curses came with sin. So if you receive forgiveness, you've received liberty from what sin brought. You get what I'm saying? So Jesus, this was very key to Jesus. And so even when Jesus is telling the disciples to go preach, in Acts 1.8, he tells them, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To be witnesses, for them to be witnesses unto him, they needed power. And you see that difference we see. I see many different theologians. I know like Baptists and other, other persuasions. They believe that this power was boldness to speak. That's what they believe. They believe that when he says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, it was like power means you are bold to stand before people and proclaim the gospel, and they are convicted. But you see, the difference we see is that we see their miracle ministry beginning. So I believe this power that he was telling them to have, it was power to produce proof of his resurrection by doing the things he did before he was crucified. Because the evidence, when power came, we start seeing the evidence in Acts 3. The next chapter, we see him say, rise up and walk. And then he tells them, it is that Jesus that was crucified. is the one who has made this man whole. And 3,000 are added to the church. Actually, I think that's 5,000. 3,000 was on the day of Pentecost. So I think this was 5,000. The church grows. These people saw a miracle and they believed on Jesus. Then when he also sends them out to go and preach, two by two, the 70 of them, he told them, raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Why was it so key that they are going to announce the gospel, but they must heal the sick, they must raise the dead, they must cleanse the leper? Why was that so important? Why was it important that when we see the word evangelist, in the New Testament, we see only, is it one? One person referred to as evangelist, Philip. But why is it that when we see Philip in Samaria, he talks of many miracles, and they believed on Jesus. So we are seeing that miracles were so synonymous with believing on Jesus. The man who was blind, who was healed and kicked out of the temple, he believed when he was healed, but he did not believe on Jesus. In other words, he didn't put his faith in Jesus. Then later, Jesus meets him. And he's asking him about who made him whole, and he's like, he doesn't know. And Jesus tells him, it is me who stands before you. Because the man had been blind, even, you know, being kicked out of the temple was so bad. You see, when we read about it, we don't understand it today. Because you're like, ah, what's it about being kicked out of the temple? It is like what you see in Muslim families, you being disowned by your family. You get it? Many people fail to publicly confess Jesus because 
because of the stakes. Because you're told, if any of you ever comes here saying, Jesus will never pay school fees for you, you'll be kicked out, you'll be an abomination to this family, all your uncles will be informed, everyone. So people look at the stake. Now, in Israel, if you can't go to the temple, you're an outcast. But you see, this man was so glad, even after being kicked out of the temple. Why? Because a miracle happened. That's what miracles do. A miracle happened. If he had just encountered Jesus and he's like, I believed on him, maybe it would be easy to, but he's kicked out of the temple and he's like, whether that man is evil or not, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Even his parents can't stand to talk about it, but the man is like, I was blind, now I see. That is what miracles do today. A miracle is worth a thousand sermons. You can spend a thousand sermons to prove to people certain things. But a miracle, when people see a miracle, and that is why the early, the, 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 the preacher's voice of healing, and people like F.F. Bosworth was, they called miracles healing, God's dinner bell to salvation. Miracles were the invitation. That is why miracles are a key theme in crusades. As we go to do crusades, because you know, I'm telling you, you can see people move from being hostile to Jesus and all of a sudden they just want to know this Jesus. I told you of a boy who, who we prayed for in, it's called Sagam, Yala. This boy was deaf. He fell, he was on a table when he was young. What, how many months he was at crawling stage? So he fell from a table, so I think he ruptured his eardrums, or, so he never had. By this time we are meeting him, he's above 18. He's a man. We pray for him, and he starts hearing. I was with Ruth, uh, Irene's sister, and some other people. We go to their home. It's dark in the night. So we go to their home, and the dog's bark. And the mom sees the boy turn. And the mom knows, my son has never had those dogs. The mom gets born again without putting up any contest. We just lead her to Christ. That is what miracles do. And they were very key in the ministry of Jesus Christ. They were very key. And that is why we see people flooded wherever Jesus was. Even Jesus said it. He said, you guys are just following me because of the bread and the fish. They followed him because of miracles. And now people use it as a bad thing. But you see, people should follow us. Because that's the way we are going to present the gospel to them. We are not, there is no one going to preach to you if you are not available. So miracles draw people. They are the dinner bell. And if healing was so key during that time for people to believe on Jesus, it is still key. Why? Because the devil's strategies have not changed. He's used sickness from that. Imagine more than 2,000 years ago. And you, see, you would think after 1,000 years later, we would have good remedies for all the sicknesses. Yes, for those ones. He keeps bringing up others. Now corona has come. As in the devil just keeps proving to you that you need healing. <laughs> he just keeps proving it with all our advancement. It's through, during that time the killer diseases were leprosy. In the 70s, the 60s, it was TB. Solution has been go to all these diseases. They are not even scared. You see, we, none of us sits in Amatatu even wondering, is somebody with TB? But you see, in 1970, you had somebody, who, hey, in Nairobi today there are somebody with TB. Woo. You stayed in Mlolongo, you didn't cross to Nairobi. <laughs> Somebody has TB. 
You get what I'm saying? Today you just walk with them, you know, there is a solution. But you see, still things have come. We don't see cancer in the Bible. Cancer, we see cancer today. There are many things that keep coming. And at times it's until somebody is in that need. Even non-believers, even people who oppose healing, inwardly, when they encounter a serious infirmity, they even secretly believe for a miracle. Say, I wish something would happen. They will pray for a miracle. God, can't something just happen to my mother? Can't something just happen to my child? Even inwardly, because it is a longing that God put there. And these miracles are so necessary. It was pivotal in Jesus' ministry. It is pivotal in our ministry. We are going to learn about it as we continue. We are going to learn we ourselves to minister healing, but also to walk in divine health. It is a life that God has given to us. We don't need to be sickly all the time. And see, someone may say, oh, but some people have not been healed and what? The truth is that I don't know everything that is there. I don't know everything about healing. People have asked, oh, why didn't so-and-so as a preacher, why did he die to cancer? I don't know. I also don't know. But you see, I'm not going to throw away what I know because of what I don't know. Praise the Lord. Even me, I've prayed for people that have died. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, I remember when I was in college, I went to a family, this old grandma taking care of her grandchildren, and God gave me words of knowledge. You know, like when you get words of knowledge, normally it's to confirm that what, it's to confirm it stars people's faith. So particular words of knowledge about them, things they had not shared. Pray for a lady there. She gets better. She could not walk. She starts walking. And I assure them, in one week, she'll be totally fine. Because she could not walk. The next damn call, she's died. And you know, I felt bad and what. But I didn't stay there. I didn't pitch a tent there and camp there all my life. No, I went on to the next sick person that came my way and I ministered to them. And I ministered to them. And I kept ministering and up to today. So at times that's, especially if you want to minister healing, at times that's the hindrance. You camping where the devil wants you to camp. That, that, that would be so sad. Imagine if Peter had stayed at denying Jesus, but I denied him. I denied him. No, he moved on. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so don't, don't treat healing like, don't treat it like a secondary thing. Don't treat it as, look at how it was so pivotal in Jesus' ministry. Look at how it was key to God, even in the Old Testament. So, would God just have changed? We say Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would he have just changed now? That it's no longer that key? No, it can't be. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's bow our heads. Let me pray for us, then we'll give.